name, amen. Amen. We'd like to welcome everyone to Ayers Christian Center Church, those that are here, those that are online. Just like to welcome you today. I'm going to give the backdrop of the message God gave me. If you can turn in your Bibles to Ecclesiastes, the third chapter. I'd like to give honor to God. Um, our pastors in their absence. Um, and all the saints and fellow yoke fellas. Amen. We all under the same yoke. Going the same way. Same destination. So if we look at Ecclesiastes. It starts off in verse, um, chapter 3, verse 1. To everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under the heaven. Now we can stop right there, but it goes in detail. It wants us to see how important time is. There's a time to be born. There's a time to die. There's a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. There is a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build, a time to reap and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to rent and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. What profit have he that worketh in that wherein he is labored? In other words, I'll say this. We have to know what the season is, what the timing is in our lives, but not only just in our lives, to the things that we are connected to. You know, sometimes we can stay on a job too long, you know, and it's the time to leave, but we want to stay because of the uncertainty. There's a time, as it says, to cast away. We know that in heirs, we talk about elevation, that some things you can't carry with you. As Pastor Keith gives the uh, example of going into an airport, amen? Everybody can go in the door, but then now you got to go through the security check. You may even take your waters right in before they take them, you know? And then if you got a knife in your pocket, you know, go through the x-ray, they're going to get that. You can't take that on, on the plane, right? You can't take anything on the plane that's not supposed to be there. So it is in our lives. We have to realize there are some relations that are God sent that we need to connect with and we need to maintain that connection. Even when a building is being built, the scoffers that they use when they lay in bricks, once that brick, that building is done, they take it down, right? It's not part of the final structure, but it aided in getting to where we needed it to be. So, as I was reading the scriptures, 
And it talks about the prophets of old. They would love to live in the time that we're living in. Amen. They would love to have lived in this time. So what time is it? That's a good question. And we're proposing an answer in terms of what time it is today. Amen. We can look around the world. We see so many things that are going on. A lot of things. If you get into politics, you can get thrown off, you know, with the politics. It's not a time for the church to be involved in politics. You know, whether you're a Democratic or Republican. Are you a person, a man, a woman of God that God can use to speak his words? Amen. To not draw back. See, we're at that time now where it's a time not to draw back. Amen. So the, 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 the lesson uh, I titled today is flying under the radar. What is a radar? A radar is a radio location system that uses radio waves to determine. We got a, we got a tool here, and it's the determining of some things. It's to determine the distance, the angle, the radius of an object related to the site, it is used to track aircrafts, ships, uh, spacecraft, guided missiles, motor vehicles, weather, uh, the formulation of weathers, and the terrain. So radars are used for a lot of things, but the main thing it's used for is tracking. Is there movement going on? And there are some things, as I was reading the scripture, I'm going to come out of 2 Samuel chapter 15, 16, and 17. So as I was thinking, and, and, and the Holy Spirit was giving me this message, and he was saying to me, is there some things that are flying under the radar? See, when we get saved, we give our lives to the Lord, and we are sanctified at that moment. We are cleaned up. But there are some things that may lay dormant that are pulled back. Some activities that you may have once done. They're not, you ain't delivered from it yet, but it's there. But it's flying under the radar. It doesn't want to be seen yet for a reason. So we have to tell. I, you know, I listen to young guys talk and um, listen to my sons when they're talking to the young ladies and stuff. And I tell them, that's a pipe dream right there. You can't even measure what you're saying. You know, so if something is moving, we need, we, we need to be able to track it. We need to see where it's moving to. Right? So David had this advisor named Ahit Aspel. It's A H. I-T-H-O-P-H-E-L. And his name means brother or ruin or folly. Now, that's what his name means. Now, he was a counsel for David. And in 2 Samuel, the 16th chapter, in the 23rd verse, it says this about him. 2 Samuel, 16th chapter, 16 and 23. It says that this man, when, when he talked, it was like you were inquiring of the articles of God. He gave such wise counsel 
to David. Wise counsel. But his name means what? Ruin, brother or ruin of folly. That means there was something hidden. Now he gave the wise counsel to David. But there was a situation where David's son Absalom decided he was going to take the throne. Right? He was going to take the throne from his father David. Now, this advisor went with Absalom. Now, you say, well, he should have been loyal to David. David was the king. But he went with Absalom. So that tells me there was something there that was hidden. Something in him that had to connect with what's the latest, what's the greatest, what's the fad of this day, what are we doing, what are we connecting to. So this counsel of David, who had a smooth tongue, he gave great advice. Now, something about him, he can't be trusted. He went to Absalom's side. And it says this, that he told Absalom to sleep. This is in um, 2 Samuel 16, 21 and through 23. He told Absalom, this is what you need to do. You need to take all of your dad's concubines and have sex with them in public on top of the roof that everybody can see and they would know that you are the king because you've got your father's concubines. Now that sounds crazy, ain't it? Now this is the man that gave wise counsel. Wise counsel to David. And now he's giving this type counsel to Absalom. This is what I want you to do. On top of the building, let everybody see it. So that tells me he was dealing with something. It was something in him that was starting to come out. Something hidden, something flying under the radar. We see with Absalom, it was something in him as well. He desired to be something. How many of us are doing things because we desire to be something? We desire to be something. You know, every, everybody that's dangling a carrot, you want to jump and get it, you know. I want that. I want that. I want to be in a position of power, of authority. I want that, and I'll do whatever it is to get there. That's the world's thinking. So we have to really look at that. We have to make sure those things in us are dead. Amen? That they are dead. Now, why do we need to do this? So Absalom, we see Absalom dealing with lust. But we see that because of his actions. But we also see that in, um, in the uh, counselor as well to a hit a spell. Why would he come with counsel like that to Absalom, to tell Absalom to do such things? Well, it was something in him under the radar. Amen. And I say when we get saved, when we give our lives to the Lord, and we're, we're, we're sincere, we're giving our, our, our lives to the Lord, but there are habits maybe. Maybe in the world you drank a lot. Maybe you did drugs. Maybe you were promiscuous. Whatever. But now you're giving your life to the Lord, and it's this new nature now that's coming in. But that new nature has to deal 
with that old nature. That old nature can't just be put away. It has to be crucified. And the Holy Spirit searches out, the Bible says, even the deep things of Christ. Amen. It's searching for those things that are lying dormant. But are we telling the Holy Spirit, yeah, you can touch that? Or are we telling the Holy Spirit, hey, don't touch that. Now, that's, that's my personal. That's my little thing I do. We cannot be like that. It tells us that Absalom, he was a charmer. They say he stole the hearts of the men of Israel. He had charm. Right? I don't know how many people ever dealt with a charmer. A charmer have you doing some things you ain't want to do. You'd be like, I ain't mean to do that, but you didn't been charmed. Amen? It, a charm is a worldly quality that seeks to deceive. Amen? So Absalom here, he was a charmer. He stole the hearts of the men. When he talked, the men was like, yeah, yeah, you know, that's my man. Yeah, he's saying the right things. That's Absalom, old charmer. And we have to be mindful and careful about people with that charming spirit. If you ever dealt with it, it is something hard to deal with. I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about me, the time I, I dealt with it. Um, I belonged to this church, and the pastor ended up getting a charge. And so a lot of people left the church. I was one of them that left. And I came back to a funeral, was, was at the church, and it was just like it was something pulling me to be there. Like I had to return there. But it was that charm and spirit, you know, it's that you know what God told you to go. And then I had to make a point to myself, I can't even go back for a funeral. Because it was such a pull with going there. That charming spirit, you know, just pulling me back in, pulling me. And I knew, no, I'm not supposed to be here. So I had to just say, look, anybody died that I know, it goes, I can't go. I just can't go. It was just that much pull. You know, so we have to be mindful of, 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 of things like that. But we have to also be mindful of the time and of the season. The Bible talks about or when the horn blows, you know, that... You need to know what that horn is representing. Is it, is it a horn for, for, to prepare for war? What is that horn representing? We also have people that are standing on the wall to sound the alarm, to see what's happening, to let you know what time it is in case you have issues or just not the discernment to understand what time. We got people standing on the wall as, as well that are saying, hey, don't go there. Hey, it's time to do this. Well, this is very important in where we are in the church right now. I mean, I'm, I am loving it that we are at a place now that things are starting to happen pretty quick. A lot of movement is happening. A lot of things are being put in place, you know, and it's all important. That means God is setting us up for a huge move, for a huge move, for a huge time of growth, the structure of the church is being more uh, 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 stable, put in place, so we can handle the growth that's coming. That's how important it is that we recognize this season and this time. There is nothing more than the devil wants is to have something on you, 
or in you that he can connect to. That as we start moving, you're promoted higher and higher, but that thing is never dealt with. That thing that flew under the radar that was undetectable. Amen? Because when you fly under the radar, it's undetectable. You know? And so it's waiting there to the prime situation to blow up, to do as much damage as possible. It's like a hidden bomb inside that if we're not careful as God is promoting us, getting us before people, platforms are becoming, now you're on TV, you know, and the, and the world is watching you, but you haven't dealt with that thing that flew under the radar. Now Satan can get a hold. And now all these people are following you, believing in your words that you're saying God said, right? And now you do something crazy. Now, Look at all the people that are hurt behind that. That's why it's so important that as we are growing in the Lord, that we allow the Holy Spirit to touch some areas in our lives, that we allow the men and women of God to touch some places in our lives that maybe we don't want to touch. Maybe it's painful to go there. Maybe it's such a habit, such a stronghold. It's a pattern of thinking that exalted itself above the word of God. That we hold that word, that word de more dear than the word of God. We hold that tradition more dear than the word of God. These things cannot happen. These things have to be moved out of the way. And we have to realize, you know, when we talk about love, we're talking about the fact of being not selfish. Love, the opposite of love is selfishness. But if we grow in love, we grow and, and our love towards each other. We're knowing each other by the heart. So as we're moving, we got each other's back. We're connected. We're compressed together. And we're not only together, but we're strengthening the body by what we bring to the body. Now, as I was reading about um, the council, um, I hit a spell in Absalom. As I was reading the story about him, I looked at the process, but I looked at the end of it as well. And the end of a sitter spell, he ended up hanging himself. Right? He hung himself because he couldn't deal with, he didn't deal with that thing that was in him that he flew under the radar with that he went to Absalom because of that thing and then gave Absalom terrible wisdom that ended up getting Absalom killed. So they both end up dying. But in the process, as I was reading that, the next story came up when Absalom was killed. And those times they had runners. And those runners were to go from the, the field of battle, from the front line, to go report to the king, you know, on what's happening. And they were runners. And it was mainly the Cushites that were the runners. Uh, and, uh, and today, I guess it would be like uh, the uh, CB radios or whatever type radios that they use in the army, walkie-talkies, to let people know, 
hey, I need you to do this, what have you. All right? So they're in, they ended up being killed. Now, when Absalom was killed, there, was, there were two people. And I'm in uh, Samuel, 1 Samuel uh, 18. Let's turn there. I meant 2 Samuel 18. 2 Samuel 18. Because God was just letting me see these, these stories, you know, because the Old Testament is for an example for us, right? On what we should do, what we should not do. We can look into the Old Testament and see these stories. All right? So 2 Samuel um, 18, verse 19 through 23. And it says this. Page is stuck together here. Into something. <laughs> there we go. All right. Verse 19 starts as it said, And then said Amazon, the son of Zodiac, let me now run and bear the tidings now that the Lord have avenged him of his enemies. So he was, he was excited. He said, man, let me go tell uh, King David, you know, that uh, his son dead, you know, that uh, w- the Lord has avenged his enemies. And Jada said unto him, thou should not bear tidings this day, but thou shalt bear tidings another day. But this day thou shalt bear no tidings because the king's son is dead. In other words, he was saying, you're not experienced enough to go tell the king. This, this is the king's son, and you want to run, but you don't have nothing to say. You, I don't want you to run. I want the person that with the experience to run. And it says this, Then said Jehovah unto Cushite, Go tell the king what thou hast seen. And Cush bowed himself unto Jabba and ran. So he did his job. He took off. He was going to go tell, tell the king what he seen. All right? But here's, here's um, Ahamaz, the son of Zodat, yet again asking. Um, now the Cushite has took off running to go tell the news. But here is he again. He's telling him, I want to run. I want to run. And he's asking, where are you going to run to, my son, seeing that thou hast no tidings already? But however, because he just kept getting on his nerve, he said, well, go ahead and run. I mean, you ain't got nothing to say, but go ahead and run. See, it was something in him that was driving him to want to run. He had nothing to say, but he wanted to run. He wanted to be there. All right? So he took off running. And the Bible says he ran the way of the plains. He went to the flat ground and ran that way. But the Cushite didn't. The Cush ran over the hills and everything. So um, Asmas got there first. And when he got there, the king asked him. And we see this in... Um, in verse 29, uh, let's go to 28. And Ahaman called and said unto the king, All is well. And he fell down to the earth with his face before the king and said, 
Blessed be the Lord thy God, which has delivered up the men that lifted up their hands against my Lord the King. Now, he didn't beat the Cushite there that got the words to say, but he don't know what to say. <laughs> All right, so then he goes on. And the king said, is the young man Absalom safe? And Asmus answered, when Jodah sent the king's servant and me, thy servant, I saw a great turbulence, but I knew not what it was. And the king said unto him, turn aside and stand here. And he turned aside and stood still. He had nothing to say. He, he outran the person that, that had something to say that could tell the king what he saw. But he wanted to run. A lot of times we see that, you know, when we're young in the Lord, we have a lot of zeal without the knowledge. You know, we want to do everything for God. We want to be God's man of faith and power for the hour. We want to be that man. I remember... Um, when I, when I gave my life to the Lord and I took a position at a, at a mental health, at a state mental health facility, right? And man, you know, I, you know, I was listening to Kenneth Copeland, Kenneth Hagen, all these guys, Shambach, you know. And I was, oh, I'm going to go in here. I'm going to lay hands on them. I'm going to, man, they're going to get straight. I'm God's man. I went in that place. I was not ready for what I saw. I'm trying to tell you, I saw some stuff. I saw this one little bitty lady was on a one-on-one. And um, a one-on-one means I got to be within arm distance of the person. And I asked her, look, I need to use the restroom. And uh, could somebody take my spot while I'm gone, right? When I'm coming back down the hall, I seen this little lady throwing grown men across the room. And they said, grab a Lamar. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not grabbing her. I'm look, I seen her face change. I mean, her face like change. I seen this stuff. We had this young one lady that uh, was, um, I think she was 16. She had just like shredded her finger. And we would put her in restraints. I mean, like six-point restraints. And they would shoot up with the Ativan or the Haldol, whatever, you know. And it would be a smell that would come over the room. And she would foam at the mouth. And, it was, and, you know, she would make animal sounds, and she would do that for hours. I wasn't ready for that. I was not ready for that. I thought I was God's man of faith and power. But when I seen some of this stuff, and you would know that it's, 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 it's demonic because the medication wouldn't affect them. The medication would, would knock people out if they were just like, you know. But when the medication would work, even you hear the doctors and the psychologists talking about demon possession. Because it would just be an odor. And I mean, for hours, she would just make these sounds. So I seen some things, and I realized, you know what? I need some more training. <laughs> I need some more training. But how many people would have said, you know, I'm going to stick through this thing, because, you know, and got all kind of spirits and everything else working on, you know what I'm saying? I recognized that, oh, this is this way over my head at that time. You know, oh, my head, let me get on through. So, and then they called, they self-promoting me. I did groups with people with uh, multiple personalities, right? I did those groups and um, or people, they were, there were some people that were satanic worshipers that did the black mass that would do stuff like uh, say the Lord's Prayer backwards, you know, and things like that, put a blue flame. And, I mean, it was a lot of stuff going on. Some of them were successful at killing themselves finally. 
but it was a lot of stuff going on. So they, they promoted me to forensics, all right? It was a promotion, quote unquote. Well, in forensics, you got people that killed people, all right? Maybe two or more. And they lock you, you go in this jail, they lock you in there, boom, and the, and the gates lock. Then you go through another gate and it locks. These are iron bars, right? So that's two levels of iron bars I'm behind. And then when you get on the ward, they lock you on the ward. And you are numbered about 15 to 1. So when something breaks off, you're fighting for your life. You're fighting for your life. The hardest I ever got hit in my whole life was from a young man that uh, had killed a man. And we believe the man probably was messing with him, you know. And uh, he was 13 years old, but he was about 6'5" at least about 400 pounds, and he backhanded me. And it was not on purpose, but he backhanded me, and I started fading to black. And uh, <laughs> I started fading to black, and I realized, oh, Lord, this guy about knocked me out. So I played around. I said, hey, 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 I'm going to go sit down. Y'all go ahead and handle this. I had to go sit down because I was fading to black, never been hit that hard my whole life. But the thing of it was is that I was – Full of zeal. Didn't recognize the time nor the season. It was not the time or season for me to be there at that point in my life. So I experienced a lot that would make me say, you know, okay, let me look at this. I can't be all bunch of zeal and stuff with that. Uh, all right, so that's my experiences with it, you know, that. Um, and so from that, I start saying this, that the world needs salvation, but the children of God need deliverance. Because those things that, that hide under the radar that you really don't deal with and it, it's growing out of sight, out of mind, but it's growing. And therefore, the children of God need deliverance in a lot of areas that when we came to the Lord, we refused to deal with or maybe thought didn't know to deal with. But we want to make sure that we are moving in such a way that as God continues to promote us and all, that we're not going to hurt the kingdom. We're not going to be one of those women or, or men of God that embarrass God, that put him to shame, uh, to put him back on the cross, as, the, as it says in Hebrews. Um, let's turn to Hebrews uh, 6. This is audible. Hebrews, the sixth chapter. And it says this, Hebrews 6, and four. It says, well, let's start at, uh, yeah, let's start at four. For it is impossible for for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the word of God, the good word of God, and the powers of the world to come. If they fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh, and put him to an open shame. 
Now, we don't want to put God to an open shame. We don't want to be those people. We want to make sure that we understand the time and the seasons that we are in. We got to make sure that we allow God. We can't compartmentalize things in our lives. Everything needs to be open for the Holy Ghost to move. So getting back to the story, Absalom was killed. Now, here comes the Cushite in verse 31 of 18. And behold, the Cushite came, and the Cushite said, Tidings, my lord, the king, for the Lord has avenged thee this day all them that rose up against thee. And the king said unto, unto Cushite, Is the young man Absalom safe? And, and Cush answered, the enemies of my Lord, the king, and all that rise up against thee to do thee harm, to thee, I'm sorry, thee to do thee hurt, be as that young man is. And the king was much moved and went up to his chamber over the gate and wept. So this is the king's son. Even though the king's son, Absalom, was doing wrong, you know, you don't just come out and tell the king, you had to watch how you approached the king. Just like if somebody came to you and told you something about your kids, your first thing is going to be to defend probably, you know, but let's hear the whole story. But how Cush did it, it allowed him to, to, to have wisdom in how he told King David how his son was died. All those, them that rose up against thee to do thee harm. Or just like that young man. So, in our lives, as we're growing in the Lord, the, 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 the uh, aspect of areas we talk about equipping for the kingdom of God. Amen? Equipping for the kingdom of God. So, we first got to know what our job or what our calling is to make sure that we're properly equipped. We got to have some wisdom. And we know that the word of God gives us wisdom. And he had wisdom on how to talk to the king that his sons were dead. A lot of times, just like uh, uh, Amzamas, he took the easy way. He took the way of the plain. So when we go through things, it strengthens us. When we go through the big thing about anything that moves, there's friction. There's a force working against that thing that's trying to move. So we have to make sure that we're properly equipped, that we understand what God has called us for. We know that one thing that he's called all Christians for is to be ambassadors, to go ye forth into the world, Right? We know that that's for everybody, that we have the ministry of reconciliation. Every Christian has that ministry. So we can start there. Are you reconciling people or are you causing strife? Are you bringing people together? Are you speaking the wisdom of God? All these things matter. And where we are right now, it's critical that we do all the things that God is saying. And not take the way of the plains, not take the easy way out. 
that it's not about getting there first. It's about us all getting there. Amen. So whatever role, as I told the pastor, whatever role I play in that, I just want to make sure I'm part of it. I want to make sure I'm part. I don't have to be the head. I don't have to be over this. I don't have to do that. I just need to be a part of it. Amen. That my life I lived meant something. Amen. So when you take the way of the plane, you avoid the wilderness test. You avoid every kind of test possible because you're looking for the easy way out. So we have to make sure that we, we allow God to work in us and to will his good pleasure, as the scriptures say. You know, I think about if I didn't go through anything, I've been at the church now for, uh, I've been around 12 years, I think I've been a member for about 10, maybe 11, something like that. But, you know, the early days of heirs, you know, I came from churches that were um, generations old. You know, the church I came out of, my family's in, I think they're eight generations strong in that church. So, you know, so I came to church with coming from churches that had already been established, you know, and everything was kind of like in place and you just plugged in. And then with heirs, that was not the case. We were starting from scratch. And so as, as we move in things, you know, like I did a lot in the beginning because there was not a lot of people here to do it and I could do. But now we're at a point now where we have to have the right people in the right places for growth, the right people in the right places for structure. You know, and if we all take that attitude and the fact that we just want to, we want to get to the finish line, we want to be on the journey, we want to be a part of it to make a difference, then we won't walk in an offense, we won't be so easy to be offended because we understand the bigger picture. As the pastor's been preaching about considering the whole, not just my little world, but everybody. What's happening in the whole? First um, Samuel 18, 32 and 33 says this. And the king said unto Cush, is the young man Absalom safe? And the king answered. Okay, I read that part. So 33. And the king was much moved and went to the chamber over the gate and wept. And he went thus and he said, oh, my son Absalom, my son Absalom. With God, I had died for thee, O Absalom, my son, my son. So he was moved in that. But if Absalom would have dealt with those things that were under the radar, he would have never been in that position. So it's so important that we allow people to speak in our lives. Not everybody, but those that have earned the right to speak into your life. Um, those, the men and women of God, you know, that um, our pastors, you know, we allow them to speak in our lives, you know, Minister James, you know, myself, you know, speaking to people's lives. You can speak it, but don't allow everybody to speak into your life. They haven't earned that. We have to be objective and call out those things that are trying to hide out in us. Whether it's lust, whether it's greed, whether it's pride, 
We have to let the Holy Spirit take it out of us. The Bible says he searches the deep things of God. Because we don't want to be, as it says in Isaiah 46 and 10, in the furnace of affliction. That things are going wrong in our lives and we don't realize. You know, sometimes when things go wrong in life, you sh we should go to God and see, okay, what's the issue? But sometimes we toughen up. I'm going to make it through this. I'm going to do it anyway. You know, and we take all that beating for what? For what? We didn't have to take that beating. We didn't have to be into the furnace of affliction. So I think it was Wednesday, last Wednesday, or maybe been Sunday, when um, I think it was Pastor Melanie was talking about, about the affliction, like going through things in your life. Now, we go through things, and we, the first thing we got to ask is, why am I going through this? What's, what's behind this? Is it a test, or is this something where I messed up and I need to get it right with God? But we got to find out that and allow the Holy Spirit to deal with us so we won't have to deal with all the things that are in the furnace of affliction. In the furnace of affliction, there's lack. You're fine in your life. You're lacking. Can't pay your bills. Maybe because you're not tithing, you know? Because that's a, the tithing comes with a promise that he'll rebuke, rebuke the devour for our sakes, you know? So maybe you're not tithing and things are going on in your life with your finances. Well, get that part straight with God. Maybe you have, have some unconfessed sins. Pastor Mellon was preaching about that uh, some time ago. Maybe you got sin that, that, that has been bound to you, and you need to lose it. You know, the Bible says that we can, uh, we can call for, I think it's Matthew 16, binding and loosing. We can loosen things. We can loosen things off people. I had a young man that uh, we graduated high school together. We were, we were really good friends in high school. We both had won the Martin Luther King Award for music. Good guy, but... Uh, I ended up marrying his sister, <clears throat> and this guy just turned to be an enemy to me, right? I mean, he was just like, he just, I don't know. But, but I had heard that he had cancer, and I called him because I didn't want to be binding stuff to him. He needed to be free up, freed up. So I called him, and I told him, look, man, I forgive you for everything because I didn't want to stand in the way of his healing. You know, you can bind some stuff on people, you know, and be stubborn about moving it off, you know. And I could have held that offense to him, but I wouldn't because I wanted him to be healed, you know. I wanted him to live. Well, he did pass, though, but I felt like I did my part. I, I got it out the way, you know, I cleared some things. You know, a lot of times with our parents, you know, I talk to men, 40, 50, 60 years old, and they're still dealing with things from their childhood, things that their parents did, you know. And I had to go through that aspect of letting them go, you know, and realizing they did the best they could do with the knowledge they had. I know they loved me, but they was young. My mom was young when she, my mom got married because my grandma signed for at 13 years old. My mom was married at 13 to my dad and had our first child, my oldest brother, at 15. So we were kind of growing up together, you know? <laughs> so, so we didn't call our mama mama. We called her by our first name, Thelma, you know? 
But my grandma, my dad's mom, that's who I called mama. But cause we was growing up together. So there was things that she didn't know, we didn't know, you know. And I can say as being a parent, there are things that I had to learn. I, when I had my first child, I was just like comatose. I realized I was not ready for this. I, I, a lot of things I didn't know. So, you know, at that particular time, you know, I had gotten into the Word. So I, I at least knew to go get some help. And uh, I started going to seminars, Maximizing Manhood with uh, Dr. Uh, uh, Edwin Lewis Cole. Yeah. And I started, you know, because I realized I didn't have everything in place. So we have to be objective. I had these moments in my life, what I call moments of truth. My first one was at 27, when I had to look at myself, call a stone a stone, not be emotional about just that's wrong what you're doing. This is that. Calling it, calling it what it is, because we know around here what's not what? What's not exposed can't be helped. Amen. And so I exposed. I, I needed some help. I need to learn how to be a father, learn how to be a man of God. So as we move and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us, and as the church grows, we are all being a great place, and we'll be conduits for the blessings of God to flow through us, but we'll, we'll enjoy the things of God and as things flow through us, we'll benefit from those things. So I just thank God um, in terms of looking at where he wants us right now. We all have to step up to the plate. We all have to be um, what God has called us to be. Because um, as I look at things uh, around the world, I really truly believe we're in the last days from a lot of things that are happening, from the treaties that are forming, the countries that are coming together that you would have never thought would have came together. So, you know, we just have to be ready. It's the time and the season for us to be men and women of God and to show forth, not just in word, but miracle signs and wonders following us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I saw.